while I hit line number three there and say good morning, Ginger. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. I'm going to try to have this conversation without coughing in your ear. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> what, what are we going to talk about? I have two unrelated questions, but they're both extremely important to me. Okay. One of them is I have a variegated ficus. Mm-hmm. It's about five feet tall. I I was gifted it by someone I care about deeply. The It was gorgeous when I got it, Bob. This was about a year and a half ago. Okay. And it was, and it's come along fine all this time up until uh, sometime in, I think it was about September, I let it go to dry. Okay. It has now lost all its leaves. They curled up, they turned brown, and fell off. Okay. The uh, branches are still green when I scratch them, and I would like to know how to best take care of this thing to get it back in shape. Okay. Well, that should be too difficult, actually. Uh, as long as the bark hasn't gotten papery, and it hasn't, uh, your ficus is probably going to be fine. Uh, the thing I always tell people, two things about any ficus, whether it's benjamina, rubber plant, your varieties actually call spearmint ficus benjamina. Uh, mm-hmm. The two things they need is lots and lots of light, and don't ever let them get dry. Now, what you want to do, and because this is the variegated form, it takes super bright sunlight, so it, it's obviously happy where it is. I would water it in, you know, water it fairly thoroughly whenever the soil's dry on the surface. I would add a little bit. There's a product called Super Thrive. It You read the packaging on it. It looks like snake oil, but I have seen plants that I thought were totally dead come back out when I watered them with Super Thrive. The third thing I would do is I'd take myself a little mist bottle. I'd put about a cap full of Super Thrive in a quart or so of water, and I'd just keep that sitting next to the plant. And every time I thought about it, I'd pick it up and just spray over all of those limbs. And I can almost promise you within two or three weeks, you're going to start having new foliage coming out. Uh, by Easter next year, it should be back to its uh, original glory. Oh, that would be fabulous. Now, you may, next year when it warms up, you may want to give it a little rest out on the porch or patio. No plant is really happy indoors. I once saw a, a ficus benjamini, the green form, in Jamaica that was about 100 feet tall and about 125 feet wide. So in nature, these things make big plants. Your variegated one, like I say, that variety is called spearmint is never going to get that big. But the fact that the limbs are still supple, um, uh, it, again, I would water it in with Super Thrive. I would use some Super Thrive to mist it with periodically. But I think that plant's going to come back for you, Ginger. So on to question number two. Thank you. Okay, the second one has to do with Clivia. I inherited the Clivia from the same lady. Uh-huh. It is... Um, Real heavily bound, uh, pot bound. Uh huh. And it has three very mature bulbs. Okay. They're all connected. Uh huh. And I'd like to repot it, and I don't know how to separate them if I should or what. You know, probably. Probably the prettiest clivia I have ever seen was an old orchid growing friend, and he had one in a wash tub. It was so crowded, you couldn't even see any soil. There were probably 12 or 15 bulbs in there, and that plant would have 20 or 30 spikes of flowers on it at a time. Oh, nice. So if you want a spectacular plant, 
uh, just put it in a bigger pot. It's what, in an 8-inch pot now? Uh, it's 10. 10 10-inch pot? Just move it up to a 12-inch pot. You'll be set for another couple of years. On the other hand, if you want to share it with friends, you're just going to have to very carefully, with a very sharp knife, or, you know, if you're any good with a hatchet, you don't want to chop up on the bulbs. But as you know, clivias have a big, thick, spongy root. If it were me, I've got strong hands. I would I would soak that plant in water for several hours, and then I would physically just break it apart. I'm not sure you'll be able to do that. But, uh, again, unless you just have a real desire to share it with somebody else, just put it in a bigger pot and let it grow. It is fine being root-bound. It's fine being crowded. Uh, a lot of folks think that clivias bloom best if they are somewhat crowded and root-bound. Most important thing is just don't let it freeze. It is not an outdoor plant at all. It is a uh, right. tropical plant, and uh, if you know if you had it growing in a greenhouse like Dalton's was, <laughs> it's just once a year for a few weeks, you'll have the most spectacular plant you've ever seen. If you like clivias, and I like clivias very much, they're all they're now available. There's some yellow ones. There's some different colors a few years ago there was one called saint john's clivia that was owned the only yellow one around and it cost ten thousand dollars per bulb now you can find them around you now you can find them around very reasonably priced oh boy i hope so so Uh, all about clivias and all about spearmint ficus anything else i can help you with today what one quick question on the pot for the clivia is it better it's in a plastic pot right now Uh uh-huh should I put it in a clay pot? It or doesn't an doesn't pot? doesn't care one bit. As long as it drains, it'll be fine. Um, clay pots uh, breathe a little bit more than plastic, but uh, mm-hmm. um, that is totally up to you. Clay pots are heavier and harder to move, so mm-hmm. you use whatever works best for ginger. The clavia won't care. Oh God, thank you. So so much for all you tell me. It's always a pleasure. You have a great Sunday, and I'll move on and talk to Don. Good morning, Don. Good morning, Bob. This is Don down in Devon. Yes, sir. I went out the other day and bought some seeds for the winter garden, I guess you'd call it. Okay. And I bought cilantro seed, and the girl told me, all the seeds I bought, she told me, well, that ain't going to grow. It's too cold to grow anything right now. No, I plant your cilantro. Remember, um, the first couple of weeks, you may have to cover it if it gets cold, and we're probably going to have some cold late this next week. But I get my cilantro on the ground right now. If you wanted to, you could start it in little pots and then plant it out in the garden later. But cilantro is one thing that uh, you can direct seed in the garden and you should do just fine with it well because what i was wondering is i always in july i always go buy clear plastic because plastic's always cheaper here in july (laughs) okay yeah i bought a hundred foot roll it's 20 feet wide and i was going to put a temporary greenhouse over the top of it will i need that i mean how long will it take by the time i put the seed in it come up will you pass the next cold spell you think I think it'll be up and growing in about five to seven days. Um, that plastic, unless you're going to build a greenhouse out of it, don't waste your time with it. It's first big wind. It's going to be down in Corpus anyway. And uh, so it's nice to have. And, again, if you want to build yourself a little temporary structure or something, but if you want to just protect things from the cold, it's much better to use a fabric that isn't as much like a parachute. It's not likely to blow away. Um, I, you know, I'd get some insulator or some good row cover or 
uh, even some shade cloth. But best of all, you could get a, a row cover like the Insulate. But that plastic is is fine for building a greenhouse, a garden room, but it's not what I'd be covering anything with. Yeah, because it's going to be a shorter greenhouse, so I can still look out the windows because my garden's in the front yard and sure. right next to the road. Yeah. Would I have to put heat on any of that stuff? Because it's mostly beets and the underground stuff. How how cold is it going to get this winter, Don? Well, your guess is probably better <laughs> than mine. <laughs> well, then your guess is as good as mine about whether you're going to need heat or not. Down to 15 to 20 degrees, no. But I've seen times that I got darn close to zero degrees. Uh, and Divine's, you know, colder than San Antonio for whatever crazy reason. So I'm not going to tell you there might not be at some point that you might have to add heat, but uh, you're going to be more concerned, actually, with being able to open doors or whatever to cool it off. Because when that sun shines, it can be 20 degrees outside, and it can be 80 degrees inside of your greenhouse through what we call the greenhouse effect. So uh, uh, be sure that you have a way to vent it, uh, but and be sure that, you know, if we were to have the coldest winter in 50 years, you might have to add some heat. The chances of that are pretty slim. Hopefully no more snow. Um, whatever you say. <laughs> People are crazy that try to forecast the weather, and the best of the best don't do it very well. So uh, all I can say is snow's not likely, bitter Arctic cold is not likely, but it could happen. All righty. Thank you very much, Bob. You're sure welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. All right, it is Tana, and it is her turn. Good morning, Tana. Good morning, sir. Good morning. For those of your listeners, and I think that probably takes in about ninety nine percent of them <laughs> who are working who are working out in the yard, be very cautious because the um, asp caterpillars yes. are here. Yes, I had somebody bring some by the nursery, and uh, anybody that doesn't know, they're also called a puss caterpillar because they have right. that real dense hair. And uh, they have little spines filled with formic acid that will deal you immense pain. Uh, the good news is they are a caterpillar, and any of your BT products that you use on cabbage worms or things like that will take care of these uh, little stinging caterpillars. But you are so right, and they are so painful. I've been there and done that. Yeah, I didn't know if anyone had called in to caution. But, uh, so yesterday I had one caller, but it's always good to repeat. Oh, okay, then. Thank you. Well, you're sure welcome. It's good to hear from you. Thank you. Good to hear. Goodbye. Bye. All right. It's probably a far south Texas area code. Good morning, Linda. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Bob, I just have one question. It's concerning my pride of Barbados. Okay. uh, Mine never blooms until June, and I would really like for it to bloom earlier than that. What can I do now? In the ground or in pots? Ground. And it's a seven, when it's in its glory, it's seven by seven. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it just takes a certain amount of time for that plant to grow out and start blooming. If you had it in a pot, and I could tell you, drag it in the greenhouse and let it really start putting on that growth in, you know, January instead of late February or March, whenever it really starts out in your growing season, you could speed it up. Um, you can try additional fertilizer. You can mulch it heavily uh, during the winter months. How, where, where are you located, Linda? 
In Lavernia. In Lavernia. Okay, so you're not real far south. The the more we can prevent it from freezing severely this winter, then the sooner it's going to bloom next spring or summer. Um, and and you know we don't. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what it's going to do. At the very least, I'd maybe mulch it six inches deep with good mulch. Uh, if it gets to be seven feet by seven feet, you know, it's hard to cover it, but, um, you know, you might even consider, uh, I'm sure that it's partially frozen back from the cold weather we've ever already had, but not severely frozen. I might cut it down to four feet in height, but then wrap it with insulate or, you know, a row cover that you could leave on it all winter. And if we don't have really severe cold that freezes it back, it can start out already as a little bit bigger plant. Mine and Bernie freeze all the way to the ground every year, and, and they're like yours. They don't really come into bloom until June or July because they've got a lot of regrowth growing to do i guess the bottom line is the more that you can limit the amount they have to regrow the faster they're going to come into bloom for you and that's going to be really your only hope now like say if they were in a pot if you could drag them into a greenhouse and get them growing earlier in the season you would have flowers earlier but i think your best bet is lots of mulch cut it back and wrap it and then just pray that we don't get a real severe spell this winter okay and you said four feet leave it um, I, it, and that's that's a random size. You could leave it a little taller. You could cut it a little shorter. I just think that it's a height at which you could still cover it without too much trouble. I mean, if you wanted to, I had a friend in San Antonio that grew a grapefruit tree in his backyard, and he built this, you know, 15 by 15 foot structure, 10 feet tall, totally covered his grapefruit tree and picked three bushels of grapefruit every year off of it. And if if it's that important to you, you could actually build some sort of structure over it for the winter. And, uh, I mean, these plants, Pride of Barbados tells me it came from the island of Barbados in the Caribbean where it never freezes. I've been to Barbados a couple of times, and it's a, it's a crazy tropical world down there. But just anything you can do to limit how much it freezes back in the winter is going to let it come into bloom more quickly for you next spring. Uh-huh. Okay, very, very good. Okay, thank you so much, Bob. Have a great day. You do the same. Thank you. All right, now we'll talk to my other Linda. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. Good morning. I've got three citronellas okay. uh, in the ground, and I've got one avocado that I've been growing from seed. planted them both a couple of years ago, and I'm wondering, because they're looking really puny, uh-huh. I'm wondering if that 23 degrees killed them. Should I just pull it, them up and it, start all over again? Or, well, it set, it, them, it, set or? Them, it set them back. Have you grown geraniums before? No. Okay. I was going to say citronella is just a fancy geranium is all it is. Upper 20s, not a problem. Lower 20s, yeah, they may freeze and die. I would grow my citronella in a pot. It's just if you want to save it from year to year, um, you just pretty much have to protect it from a really hard freeze. It's normal for them to look pretty lousy in the middle of the summer, pretty lousy in the middle of the winter. But some experts are saying it's going to be a colder than usual winter. So I might even think about if I wanted to save if these plants have any sentimental value or anything, I would dig them up, put them in a pot, and be able to drag them inside when the temperature is going to get below about 26 degrees. And, and I did have them in pots but I decided to put them in the ground. 
Uh-huh. So I guess that was a mistake. <laughs> well, it was a learning experience. I mean, I can yes. to me a mistake is something that is hard to recover from. <laughs> this you can recover from fairly easily. And uh I, I mean, we get citronella plants that cost like two or three bucks a piece in four inch pots in the spring. It just depends on how much you want to save these plants. If it's worth it to you to dig them back up, put them in pots and be able to protect those pots, you can do so. I don't think they are severely hurt. Um, you know, by this cold, but I, I doubt that they would survive the winter out of doors. I think we're going to have some more, uh, fairly cold weather. Okay. Well, I got them, I got them because I go outside in the morning and drink coffee. Oh and yeah. They we're keeping the mosquitoes away, but. Well, they certainly help with that and they, they're a pretty plant. They have strange little yes. lavender purple flowers, but, yes. uh, I yes. think they're quite attractive. Okay. Well, they're not, they're not in the way. So I think I'll just leave them and. See what they do. And say a prayer for warmer weather. <laughs> and now, what about the avocado tree? The avocado tree, um, is this a seed from an avocado you got at a grocery yes. store? Okay. It yes. is, obviously, it's probably hoss or calavo. It's not a cold-hardy variety. I doubt if it's dead. The cold weather that we had did a number on it cosmetically, but... Uh, you just have to ask yourself how important is it. This is a tree you're going to have to spend a lot of time protecting every winter, and it's going to have to be six or eight years old before it starts making avocados. And uh, there was one for years down in front of the uh, craft center, San Antonio Craft Center downtown, and uh, it finally froze out and died. I don't think they've planted another one. So your chances of getting a lot of avocados from it aren't real good good if you really want to grow avocados get one of the so-called mexican varieties that are more cold hardy but uh, uh i don't think it's dead it's just uh if it's sentimental value you know keep it in a pot and grow it in a whiskey barrel eventually and be able to wrap it or drag it around or whatever you need to but uh you've got a long wait for you're going to see avocados on it it's just is it worth it to you uh well it's like the citronelles it's not taking up needed space so i think just just, if it recovers yeah just don't set your expectations too high (laughs) okay all right thank you very much i appreciate your help oh it's always a pleasure thank you linda and we'll move on talk to Teresa. then it'll be robert and actually another Teresa. that's unusual well the lady that just heard the uh click on the phone i'm talking to you how are you this morning Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Doing good, and you? You're doing great, thank you. Sir, I just heard you mention a while ago that spray mixture of Super Thrive. Right. To to spray on the plants. Could we do the same to plants that we've brought into the house to protect from the cold, like jasmine, begonias, and hibiscus? Could I just spray them? You can spray them, and it will help them, but it will not protect them from the cold. Super Thrive. Okay. It's it's a it's a just a real strange story an old man named dr thompson uh the military hired and engaged him in world war ii to work some magic and make something that would make plants grow faster because they wanted to use them as camouflage to you know hide different things while we were fighting the war effort he was one of the strangest guys i have ever known i first saw him at a nurseryman show probably 30 years ago he looked old as methuselah then running down the aisles chasing people (laughs) Have you tried my product? No nursery can live without Super Thrive, blah, blah, blah. I saw him about <laughs> 20 years later chasing people down the aisles at a nursery show and still looked like Methuselah. He passed away, 
I think about two years ago, shortly after his 100th birthday, so I was probably oh. drinking this stuff. And <laughs> But I've seen it bring back plants that I truly thought were dead. So I think it's a great product. It's not technically organic. But it has a tiny bit of a uh, synthetic growth hormone called endolbutyric acid or endolacetic acid, one or both in there. But uh, if you want to protect plants from cold, the product you want to use is liquid seaweed, but you can't do it the night before the freeze. You start several months in advance, and liquid seaweed helps a plant increase the sugar content of its sap, which makes it more cold-hardy. So long answer okay. to short question. Super Thrive's great for many uses, and it will help your plants, but it's not going to make them any more cold-hardy. Okay, well, you know how I've brought some plants in, and they need, they look so kind of sad. I just thought maybe this mixture would perk them up. It will perk them up. It definitely will perk them up, but it okay. will not keep them any warmer on a cold night. Okay, good. And then I have a question on plumeria. I've had a plumeria for two or three years, and I cannot get it to bloom. What am I doing wrong? It needs to spend the summer in blazing hot sun. It needs to be kept on the dry side, not bone dry. But it is one of those plants, you know what big succulent stems they have. And uh, it, you want to let it dry out between waterings. You want to make it think, hey, am I going to die? Am I going to, am I going to, you know, die of thirst here? And if you, if it thinks that, it's going to put on some flowers to make seeds. So don't let it get bone dry. Don't let it stay dry. But more sun and getting fairly dry between waterings, and I can virtually guarantee you blooms this summer. Uh, there's no such thing as too much sun in San Antonio. Now, if you move it directly from a shady spot to a full sun spot yeah you may get some sunburn but if you let it get used to it gradually it will tolerate all the sun and heat that we have in the summer months and respond with flowers okay well right now i have them in the garage and if i remember correctly you said not to water them is that correct well, water them. It's normal for all the leaves to fall off. Uh, in, they in, have. Yeah, and I would not water them regularly, but I don't want them to get bone dry. When the soil okay. on top of the pot is dry, yeah, give them a little a little watering. That's going to be every probably three weeks or so through the winter months. But we don't want them to dehydrate, but we sure don't want to rot them with too much water. But they, they don't want to get bone dry. Okay. One last question. Is it okay to plant roses and altheas in really cold temperatures? Altheas grew in my mom's yard in East Tennessee where it got to be 10 degrees below zero. So altheas are a very hardy plant, and this is a fine time of year to plant them. Um, Roses, you're not going to find as big a selection now as you will in February or so, but this is a great time to plant roses, and most all of the roses that we grow in this area are going to be cold-hardy into the middle teens, so it's going to be very rare that we get a cold enough winter to really hurt them. Some varieties will go even colder, some varieties not so much. So, but uh, uh, it's a great time for planting both of those plants in your yard. The selection is not going to be as great on roses as it will be in the spring. But if you're okay. planting the old fashioned roses, the antique, the heirloom, whatever you want to call them, which are my favorites, uh, nothing at all wrong with planting them today. Well, my mother transplanted some roses last year. Uh huh. And I have them in pots, and they've grown to a pretty good size, and I just was. 
I was I fractured my foot during the summer and I couldn't do a lot of my gardening. Well, that I wanted to do plant them so this I afternoon. Know, is it okay now? Plant them this afternoon if you can. Okay, very good then. Well, thank you so much, Bob. I sure appreciate all your help. I appreciate your call, Teresa. Have a great Sunday, and we'll talk again. All right, it's going to be Robert and Teresa and Rick and Jack, and Robert's up first. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning. Morning, Robert. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling. I am interested in doing uh, moving out of state and doing commercial uh, marijuana production. I'm wondering if rock wool or soil is the best medium you for know, uh, commercial growth. It's any good loamy soil is going to be fine. Um, it, marijuana, of course, is just it's a form of the old hemp that was grown all over the world to make rope with and, of course, didn't have the CBD and the THC and the the two different reasons for growing it. And I don't think soil is really critical. Now, if you're planning to do a hydroponic or if you're planning to do a, not to use a bad pun, but a pot plant thing where you're growing in containers rather than in the ground, then, uh, yeah, I would be a little bit careful with my mix. But any good loamy soil with a fair amount of organic material should grow very well for you. Are you going thinking of Oregon or Colorado or where where are you headed that it's a little um, more legal? I'm, 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 I'm thinking of either Missouri, which recently passed legislation, or Nevada. Mm-hmm. And I was going to do, do indoor with LED lights and rock wool and uh, just a uh, a um a natural uh liquid uh fertilizer okay uh, mix well I, my advice to you is go with the soils in the area um i would not be looking at any fancy medium i know the products and and as you well know there and i i don't know much about it but the licensing the things that you have to do to do this legally in places where where it is legal it's costly it's expensive and led lights sure they're great but they're also expensive fancy growing setups uh expensive to start with so don't you know don't spend a million dollars to grow a hundred thousand dollars worth of product and uh I would go as natural as you possibly can. I think uh, greenhouse production is going to give you, like like most things, natural sunlight produces a much better quality oil, Whether regardless okay. of what you're trying to produce with herbs okay, and vegetables. Yeah, gives you more flavor and things like that. So I'd sure be looking at greenhouse production rather than... Uh, than you know just under lights i mean if that's the only place you can grow it and back in the days when people were growing it illegally that's the way they had to grow it but uh it is a it is a a hugely expanding industry and dr kirby sitting over there in the producer's room and he can tell you about great results he's seen from the uh, cbd oils that are, of course, the non, uh, they don't have the THC in them. But uh, the best thing I can tell you is find somebody that's already doing it and talk to them. Is There's no sense in reinventing the wheel. But I'm not going to get all all crazy about getting you a real fancy soil. Anything that grows would grow a good vegetable, should grow good marijuana. Any good organic fertilizer that would grow, you know, a good tomato plant is going to grow you a good marijuana plant. And the more you can stay natural and the more natural sunlight you can give them, the better the quality of the oil and the amount of production you're going to get. Now, different, and again, this is not my specialty, but I know there are different strains that give you higher 
quantities of one of the cannabinoid, uh, can, however do you pronounce it, can, uh, one of the different uh, the different oils and things that are in there. Different strains are going to give you larger quantities of usable material. So I, I'm going to be worried much more about the varieties that I get and my marketing and my staying legal with all the the fees and licenses and things. And uh, it, of course, it, yeah, it, it's just it's no different from growing tomato plants. It's just a different plant. But don't try to don't try to make it something more complicated than it has to be. I guess that's what I'm trying to say well that's good i think i will go with the uh with the soil and what i might do is just do the outdoor greenhouses with the um clear poly stretched over the the white tubing well uh, that's that's a cheap way to go and you better be in an area that doesn't have much stormy weather if you're going to do that because those greenhouses are not real stable if you get into this and want to spend the money build yourself a good frame and you might even look at some of the uh, new polycarbonate materials like lexan or polygal they're not that much more expensive and they're a whole lot less maintenance you're right and i actually have a buddy who's good at building this very good all right any any particular associations that you look at joining uh that's you know, I, I'm just not familiar enough with it to really answer that questions, that question. But uh, if it were me, I, you know, I'd make a trip to Oregon. I'd make a trip to Colorado. I'd make a trip to uh, areas that you're thinking about. You know, going into business, I would find people selling the products and say, "Hey, put me in touch with your supplier." If it's anything like the plant business, the better growers out there happily share what they've learned and um I, I suspect it is very much like quality plants we are limited more supply by supply than we are by demand and i doubt if anybody's going to really think that you're competing with them that much and uh look around find somebody that uh that's good at what they're doing and i'd be willing to bet you they will save you a lot of time and a lot of mistakes sharing with you what they've already learned thank you for the advice always a pleasure good luck with it robert thanks for the call bye all right, let's see here. Let's talk to Teresa next. Good morning, Teresa. Morning. Good morning. I wanted to ask you about insulate. Yes. I have some insulate that I bought some years back. Uh-huh. And I never thought to ask you this question before until now that, unfortunately, my jalapeno plants froze. Okay. I, I did cover them with insulate. Uh-huh. But does insulate keep its protective property for a while? Yes, it lasts for years until it physically breaks down. It keeps its, uh, I, I suppose if you laundered it over and over, you no, would lose no, some of it. No. Our, our problem this year is that uh, things had put on an abnormal burst of soft growth. I mean, when you go through a hot, dry summer and all of a sudden you get 30 inches of rain, the plants just are giddy over it and they produce a lot of very, very tender growth and nothing in the world plants froze that don't you know normally freeze at all plants that are covered the same way you've always covered them froze underneath the row cover insulate or anything else this was a weird year now um your jalapenos may come back out most of the damage that i've seen was cosmetic but uh there's nothing wrong with your insulate but they're you know i I look at i see asiatic jasmine frozen back i'm looking at mexican olives frozen back i'm looking at viburnum suspensum that is one of the hardiest plants out there and the new growth froze black on it it was the year it wasn't anything wrong with your insulate 
So if all that rain um, did so much good, uh-huh. should I be watering them more, like during you know the time when the growth is coming on? No, no. Watering them more doesn't won't really do the same thing as no. rainwater. Well, it doesn't, and you don't need it. Um, okay. Now you should be watering now because our soils have dried out a great yeah. deal. We haven't had a decent yeah. rain in thirty days, but uh, yeah. we were all very blessed with for about six weeks. We didn't have to do any supplemental watering. The long term good is that it saturated the subsoil, so our trees, our shrubs, our things like that are in great shape. But our things with shallower roots, like our bedding plants, our perennials, our grass. Things like that. Yeah, we're going to have to go back to watering them very shortly if we haven't already done so. Okay, well, that helps me to know that the insulate I have is still good because I have a whole bunch of it. <laughs> well, put it to but, good use, and uh, I think we will get back to a more, I never say normal when I talk about weather, but back to a more typical growing situation. And uh, it's just, I don't ever remember 30 inches of rain in six weeks' time. And I've been in Texas a long time. My family's been here for seven generations or something. So uh, it it was just a weird time. And uh, um, keep your insulate, and it'll work well for you. Okay. Thank you very much, and have a good day. You do the same, Teresa. Thank you. And Rick is up first. Good morning, sir. Hi, Rick. Morning, Bob. Morning. Um, I have two questions for you. Okay. Uh, I have... uh, in regards to throwing seeds right now on, on, on the yard uh-huh. and putting a, a thin layer of, of, of soil. Yes. I I grind all the dry leaves on top of the, the, the seeds. Uh-huh. And I, am I doing the right thing? Well, throwing soil? I, I wouldn't be using soil. I would either be using just your leaves or I would be using compost. You bring in soil, all you're bringing in is weeds and mud, and soil doesn't wear out. We use up the nutrients in it. Um, maybe some of the organic material has gone over the years because somebody was using synthetic fertilizers, but you don't really gain anything by bringing soil in. Leaves, on the other hand, are full of minerals. They're not really fertilizer, but there are a lot of good things in leaves that your that your grass and even your trees and shrubs will like. So I would just shred up all your leaves with the lawnmower. You can put them kind of as a mulch in your beds. You can put a thin layer of them over your yard. But I think leaves are way too valuable to throw away. I would, if you haven't done so in the past couple of months, I would be you know using a good organic fertilizer at this time of year. Uh, we're gotten into a drier period. If we don't get good range, you need to be watering about every three <laughs> weeks. But this is the time of year that our, our things that we have to do in the yard really slows down, which is good because, you know, family in the holidays requires to do so many other things. But uh, now I, I don't think you gain anything at all by bringing soil in, but uh, a good layer of just chopped leaves or a good layer of compost is a great thing. Uh, second question. <clears throat> I have uh, like four uh, crack myrtles yes. in the yard. Uh huh. And they dried up already. They don't have no leaves, no nothing. Well, they look like they're dead. Uh, and that happened when we got that freeze a few weeks ago. Okay. That uh, that's the leaves just froze on them. Most of the time, the leaves slowly turn color and then fall off. 
Um, your crepe myrtles should be fine. Now, two things about crepe myrtles. I, if, uh, if you don't see the roots flaring out at the base, most crepe myrtles are planted too deeply in the ground. Uh, you should pull the soil back away from the trunks until you get down to where the roots flare out. But, um, I, the crepe myrtles are not hurt. Crepe myrtles will go down to probably close to zero degrees without any damage, but it was unusual. The leaves froze on about 90% of the crepe myrtles out there, got no color. In some cases, they've fallen off. In some cases, they're still on the plant, but the plants are fine. It's just their leaves got frozen, but the plants are going to be fine. Uh, do water them if we don't get a thorough saturation rain do water them about every three weeks through the winter months and they'll reward you with plenty of leaves in the spring and flowers in the summer is it is it a good idea to throw sand on top of the the soil no sand sand is a Uh bad idea because when you mix sand and clay you get concrete um if you want to put a little lava sand out you could do that but just sand itself will tend to make your soil harder instead of softer the only thing i'm going to put on top of my grass is going to be compost and organic fertilizer okay because i drive i i've been through some fast foods restaurants and they have like like a grind uh uh what do you call it uh like sand it looks like sand but it's not it's gravel. It looks like gravel, mm-hmm. but they're doing fine. They got they're they're green. They're, they they still got leaves, but mine are all dried up. And well, I'm thinking maybe that thing will keep them warmer. No, it's uh, theirs might have had a little bit more water. Uh, they might have been in a little bit more protected area. Um, I, you know, I drove from here to Dallas this past week and just some areas you'd see where they're frozen, some areas they hadn't, it's more strictly environmental. The sand is and gravel have not really made any difference one way or the other. Thank you, Bob. Thank always, you a, always a pleasure, Rick. Right, it's good to hear from you, sir. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay. We finish up with Jack. Good morning, Jack. Good morning, Bob. Morning, sir. I have a large. I have a large uh, residential swimming pool surrounded okay. by oak trees. Uh-huh. And uh, my question is, the leaves I pull out of the pool, can I use those in my compost or grind sure. them up and use them for mulch? Either even way. Though they've been exposed, even though they've been exposed to chlorine and the other chemicals that are in the pool? Well, chlorine's practically the only thing that's in the pool, and chlorine turns into a gas and goes away. That's why you have to keep adding more and more of it to keep your pool clean. So uh, there's no problem at all with uh, the leaves having gotten a little chlorine soak. In fact, there are a number of beneficial fungi out there that actually benefit from a small amount of chlorine in big quantities. Of course, it's a sterilant. That's why we use it to kill mainly Uh bacteria. But your leaves are just fine. And you put them in the compost pile, you put them in the garden, you grind them up, whatever you like. Just don't put them out by the street because that's a total waste of good organic material. But uh, uh, the little chlorine drench, if anything, it might have helped them rather than cause any problems. Super. Thanks a lot, Bob. Have a good day. It's my pleasure. Thanks for the call. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye-bye.